I was chatting recently with a Christian counselor who said that her mentors taught her that Christian counselors should not show any emotion during counseling during a counseling session. She asked me what I thought about this kind of teaching. I want to turn that question on you as you think about this idea. What do you think? Is it okay to cry in front of the person that you're helping? Whether it's Christian counseling or discipleship or a family member that you're helping, they're going they're, they're struggling with something. Not just crying, but what about laughter? How does emotion relate to God and him making us in his image? These are big questions that we should think about, and you may be surprised that people struggle with this more than you realize. I remember when I first moved to Greenville, South Carolina in 1986, I got a job at a recycling facility, and it was it was the job that I had during my Bible college days, and I was taking the place of a senior, a graduating senior. This was in the in May of 1986. He was leaving. I was coming in. I was taking his job, and we had a few conversations, and I remember one of them where he said, Jesus never laughed. And, well, okay. And... Well, and, and you might imagine that uh, the person who said that, well, he never laughed. I mean, he was really super serious. He was a super serious dude. That was 1986. That was a long time ago. I, I don't know if that guy has laughed since then, but somehow he got it in his head that Jesus didn't laugh, which, you know, it's an argument from silence, honestly. But that being said, there are people who believe that you should keep your emotions on the down low. In this podcast, I'm speaking specifically of when you are discipling someone, a biblical counselor doing the work of biblical counseling, or every Christian doing the work of discipleship. You don't show emotions, and that's what this lady's mentors said to her, and so she asked me, well, I have a response here, and if you want to read my response, you're welcome to do that. It is written out in an article, the title of the article, which is also the title of this podcast, Is It Wrong to Show Emotion When Helping Someone? And you can read my response to her if you wish, or you can just listen to this podcast. You're listen, listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are here. I do say often that people write in with all sorts of questions, and this is a real question. We get them all the time, and there, there's quite the variety. We've had a few today about raising teenagers, about giving up, different things that people want to talk about. And if you want to talk to us, we would love for you to do that. You can go on our website. There's really no hook. There's no catch. We we don't we just want to help you. We do have a support community, and and people feel led to support us, and, and that's great, and it releases us so that we can talk to you. And maybe you want to talk about your emotions, or perhaps you have something else. Well, come on. Uh, you can get on our free community forum, and it would be our pleasure to serve you. All right, the title of the podcast again, Is It Wrong to Show Emotion When Helping Someone? Wayne Mack, a biblical counselor forever, uh, he was a protege of Jay, a Jay Adams, a contemporary of Jay Adams, an old school counselor. Well, he was also one of my counseling profs, and I count it as one of the highlights of, of my counseling life to sit under Wayne Mack and 
he told us that a group of us one day, he said, Christian counseling is neither Christian nor counseling if it is done without tears. I appreciated his words because, well, one, you can back them up with the Bible. I mean, the Bible, it, it shows this loud and clear. But I also liked it because he is an old school Christian counselor. And you might think that an older person teaches that emotion is a sign of weakness. Now, that used to be a thing. It still is a thing in in America, but it was definitely a traditional American idea that men don't cry. And there are a lot of people that have, they have, they have really bought into this and they just don't want to show emotion or certain kinds of emotion. You will find that these people do get angry and I'm talking about sinful anger. Uh, So they do show emotion, but there's other kinds of emotion that they don't want to uh, show. And there is a little bit of irony there. You cannot not be emotional. You just have to decide what it's going to look like. And so in this case, is it appropriate to, to, to show emotion in the counseling office? Well, my prof, Wayne Mack, said uh, that, that it is. That, that in fact, it's not even Christian counseling if it's done without tears. And I've never forgotten his encouragement about tears. Uh, it actually reminded me of when the Savior was standing outside the tomb of his good friend Lazarus. Several believers and unbelievers were standing with him that day. A few were curious about what was going to happen. Some were despairing, Mary and Martha, particularly. They loved their brother. Others were cynical. All of them needed leadership at that moment. What did Jesus do? Jesus cried. The shortest, he did more than that, and I know that. But the shortest verse in the Bible, 1135, John 1135, Jesus wept. Jesus wept with those who are weeping. As Paul said in 1215 of Romans, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. I mean, that is the answer to the question. And I don't know who this lady's mentors were, and I'm not sure the context of why they would say that you never show emotion in counseling, but to put it within a biblical response, that's hogwash. It really is. Jesus' emotions were appropriate to the need of the moment. Jesus was so in tune with his friends, and he knew what they needed from him. In fact, the unbelievers were so taken back by his emotion that they essentially said, wow, he loves this guy. It's the next verse. It's 1136. So the Jews said, quote, see how he loved him. I believe, I didn't look this up, but I believe this is correct, the love there. I did, I have looked it up in the past, but my memory may be failing me. But this love here, there are three loves in John 11, and this love here is agapao. This is the best kind of love. And the Jews saw how much Jesus loved him, how by Jesus Jesus's tears. The best counseling that the Savior could offer at that moment was to cry, which is what he did. The typical counselee lives in various forms of chaos. You know, that that counselee, counseling and chaos, they it's three peas in a pod. I mean, it's why they come to counseling. It might not be something that they generated, but chaos has been heaped upon them. But they come to you because they're trying to 
unshovel, trying to shovel out of chaos. They want the counselor to address their chaotic situation, hoping that a reordering of their lives will be the result. One of the ways a counselor brings order to chaos is by presenting an authentic snapshot of biblical Christianity to the counselee. Showing proper and biblical emotion is one of the more effective ways a counselor can do this. You see, the counselee lives in a world of emotion, a different kind of emotion. And it's part of what it means, by the way, to be an image bearer. God is an emotional God. To think all emotion is wrong is a denial of biblical image making. The answer to unbiblical, inappropriate, or out-of-control emotion, and you'll find many counselees, they, they live in this place. Inappropriate emotion, anger, sinful anger, cutting remarks, cynicism. And, and, and because they live in this way, this is a perfect time to show a different kind of emotion for the right reasons. The person who does not show proper emotion is shrinking their God-designed image into something that takes away from the divine. The best course of action is to understand biblical emotions, learning how to emote like Jesus did so your sphere can observe and learn and imitate a fuller range of what it means to live out practical image making. Even the unbelieving Jews in 1136, they saw a, a better kind of emotion because Jesus did that in that quote-unquote counseling session. Now, another example of biblical emotion is laughter. Let's move to, the, to another spot on the emotional spectrum. Laughter is, is a part of the overflow of joy. How odd is it for a person to be full of joy, the joy of the Lord, but they never laugh. Now, I, I'm not talking about 24-7 cackling. I'm not talking about the serial joke teller. I'm talking about the individual who does not give a lot of attention to his controlled dignity when it's time for laughter. This person is typically, the person who doesn't do that, is, is typically over-concerned about what others think of him. Laughter in counseling works like medicine. Imagine the broken person living in out-of-control dysfunction. Think how badly they need joy in their lives. I'm not speaking of contrived humor to manipulate artificial laughter, but a pneumatic counselor who senses the Spirit's work, which enables him or her to bring organic lightheartedness that creates a redemptive moment. When I say redemptive counselor, it's a person who is walking in this, I'm, I'm sorry, a pneumatic counselor, Pneumatic, pneumatos, pneumatology, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The pneumatic counselor is walking in the Spirit, being illuminated by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit. The pneumatic counselor senses the work of the Spirit. That's why it's not contrived humor to manipulate artificial laughter, but it's an organic something that's just happening because it is Spirit-infused. Laughter can be one of the hooks that the counselee hangs on to after they leave the counseling session, when they re-enter the chaos of their lives. A reflective moment of time with you as their counselor can serve as a breath of fresh air in a gray, moldy world. 
Humor is quite the opposite of their experience. It's, sh- it's sunshine that feels like hope. You can give them a drop of sunshine by your humor and your laughter. You can be redemptive with your tears and your compassion, and you can also give them sunshine. You're giving them the full gamut of biblical emotion because you have an hour or two hours with them, and you want it to be memorable, redemptive, transformative, because you know what's going to happen. I counsel people for two hours, 168 hours in a week. You have two hours with them. That means there's 166 hours that they go back into the chaos. And sometimes you feel like you're just, you're taking one foot, one step forward and three steps backwards with them because you have such limited time with them. And so you want to make the counseling session as much as you possibly can as far as redemptive, transformative is concerned, not contrived, not manufactured, but you also don't want to put a lid on it when God is is moving you to be a certain way emotionally. And so you have laughter, and then you have, of course, weeping. There were decades in my life when I did not cry. It felt weak, un-American. It felt vulnerable. I understood humor and laughter. I did. I enjoyed comedy. I liked comedy a lot. And I regularly popped the lid off my anger. You see, as I was saying earlier, it's not that you can't be emotional. Everybody is emotional because, again, that's part of what it means to be made in the image of God. But to show tears in front of others, well, that was too revealing. As it, it could provide them access to areas of my life that had a no trespassing sign placed over it. And so the show Tears was to open the door, and I didn't want to open the door. I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want to be weak. I didn't want them to see what was inside, and that's what, that's what uh, tears and emotion, that kind of emotion would do. Laughter was okay. Humor was okay. Anger was okay, but not crying. And then the Lord broke my heart on April the 8th, 1988. It seems as though I've not stopped crying since that day. One of the many benefits of a broken heart is that it connects you to others in ways that have depth, meaning, and potential transformation. The tears became the portal to others, which makes tears some of God's benefits of grace to you. Tears are powerful, biblical tears, not contrived, not manufactured. No person understands evil like a Christian who has been broken by it and has experienced the redeeming hand of God on the other end of it. A counselor who does not have the gift of crying needs to ask the Lord for it. I'm not, I'm not talking about crying on demand. Where's my remote control? Hit the switch. Crying on demand for effect. Not talking about that at all. I'm speaking of a person who has wrestled with God in the crucible of suffering and came out the other end with heartfelt compassion. Brokenness is the genesis to this kind of humility. And then there are some people who are not criers. And I think it's important to say this, because up to this point, you can think, well, if, if, if I don't cry, then I'm ungodly and there's something wrong with me. There are some people who just aren't crying. My wife is not a crier. Uh, recently, her dad passed away, and she's cried more in the past month than 
She's cried in the past 25 years. Good for her. And good for all the other non-criers out there. You don't have to be the weeping prophet to mandate that there is something wrong with your Christianity if you don't weep. is Well, that's as wrong as saying that there is no place for emotion in the counseling office. You don't want to hang out on either extreme there. The better word that describes all biblical disciple-makers and the issue that I'm addressing here really is compassion. What, what we're really talking about is compassion. You can show compassion. Compassion is for all Christians. You may say that I'm not a crier. Okay, good. Okay, you're not a crier. I'm not going to argue the point. My wife's not a crier. I do understand it. I know other people who aren't criers. I am. It, it, that's just the way that is. But my wife has a ton of compassion. And so the essential question is, are you compassionate? To cry or not to cry is not the main idea that I want you to address in this podcast. If you don't have compassion for a fellow image bearer who is struggling with personal sin or the sin of someone else, something that someone else has dumped upon them, then you're not counseling biblically. You're not helping biblically. Evil is real, painful, deadly. It's effect, it affects all of us in profound ways. Not to have compassion for those who are struggling under the weight of evil is not the heart of Christianity. The gospel declares the profound difficulty and cost of evil. The father executed his son because of our high crimes against him. The person you are helping has been affected by evil and you want to show compassion for them. There were times when Jesus would not hold back tears, as I've illustrated in 1135. Perhaps you're not like him this way. Okay, that's okay. But whatever your reactions are, those who observe your care should come to similar conclusions as they did when they saw the tears of the Lord. So let's say that John 11.35 is just not you, Jesus wept, that you don't weep. Okay, okay. But the next verse says, Oh, how, they lo- oh, 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 how he loved him, Lazarus. Oh, how Jesus loved Lazarus. And so let's skip 11.35, and let's say that you're not a crier, and it's okay if you don't weep. But you can't skip 11.36. Whatever your care looks like, those who observe your care should come to a similar conclusion as they did when they saw the tears of Jesus. See how he loved him. The opposite end of the emotional spectrum, the person who does not believe in unbridled silliness, that is the super serious person. And so those are the two extremes. You have unbridled silliness on one end of the spectrum, which I I don't care for. And then you have the super serious person, which is kind of like bitter medicine when it goes down. We can err on either extreme. Now, typically what you will find under the hood of the overly sober-minded person, what you'll find is fear. They are afraid to let down their guard. They don't want to show emotion. And so they're, it's like my friend that uh, 
the, the graduating senior from my Bible college, Jesus never laughed. He was the super serious person. I mean, he, he, he ran from unbridled silliness, which I do too, but he ran so far that he became so super serious, but really under the hood. Under the hood for him was not just fear, but he was reared in a, he lived in a legalistic culture that, that equated fun and happy and those types of things as being worldly. These people can smother the life out of those around them, which is even worse in the counseling office. The heavy-hearted counselee needs for you to weep with them or to give them something that shows you care. Talked about compassion. But they need more than that. You want to show them some light that is at the end of their dark tunnel. Some of the elements of that light are joy, happiness, humor, laughter, lightheartedness. Go back to that ratio that I gave you earlier Two hours of counseling and 166 hours the remainder of their week. No, you want to give them full throttle everything that you can give them because they're heavy-hearted and they're broken. Now, there's a time to weep and there's a time to rejoice. And when they first come in, day one, first five minutes, you're not busting out joy, happiness, humor, laughter, and lightheartedness. But it needs to be in your toolbox, and you want to be ready because you're a pneumatic counselor. And as a pneumatic counselor, well, maybe this is the time that you want to pull this out because they definitely need this, among other things. The careful counselor wants to model these things. It is part of their leadership package. You see, leaders take folks beyond their present circumstance by showing them something that is outside of their grasp at this moment. That's a part of what it means to be a leader in a person's life. And so this person comes into your counseling office heavy-hearted and struggling with whatever the issues may be. You are a leader, and you know that you want to lead them outside of their current circumstance. And, and part of your leadership package, again, it might not be session one or session two, but joy, happiness, humor, laughter, and lightheartedness has to be part of it. And so if you don't possess some of these good qualities, your modeling and your leadership will lose its force. They need to see the good qualities of Christ in your life and in your message. And I haven't given you an exhaustive list of the good qualities of Christ, because in this podcast, in the article that I'm sharing with you, what we're, what we're talking about is this idea of emotion within the counseling office. And if you are the hyper-serious person, the super-serious person, you need to address this problem. Because if you're not able to provide those around you with the joy-filled confidence of the Lord because you're wrapped too tight around the axle, well, yeah. You want to address this. You want to see what's underneath your hood to see how you can change so you can be a fuller representation of what it means to be a man or a woman made in the image of God. The most effective way that you can start your path to recovery is by reacquainting yourself with the gospel. The most profound implication of the gospel, one of the most profound implications of the gospel, is our unworthiness to stand before a holy God. 
He is transcendent above, out there somewhere. We are in a a miry bog of sin. The separation is as great as it possibly can. And then God redeems us. He, He saves us. He brings us out of that miry bog. He places us on a rock. We realize that for by grace we have been saved. We have we had nothing. Paul's language in Romans three is some of the strongest language that you will ever hear about the human condition. He even uses the word worthless. He says you were worthless. People who are super serious tend to have a high view of themselves. They need to bring it down a notch or two. Because they were nothing before Christ showed up. And whatever they may have, as Paul said in Corinthians, wasn't it given to you? Now, perhaps one of the mechanisms that will help you to get over yourself, if you're stuck on yourself, is self-deprecating humor. It can be a good antidote for those who take themselves too seriously. Perhaps this approach will release you from the chains of over-serious guardedness. Stoicism is a, is a monkish, anti-gospel attitude for people that the Lord has pulled from the pit of sin and freed by the power of his gospel. The, the gospel is an indescribable gift that should push all of your emotions to the limits as you attempt to say thank you for what he did to you. You want to use every emotion that you can possibly use to say thank you for what he did for you. Ask the Lord to help you convey the power of the gospel in all the appropriate emotive ways that you can. Ask for the gift of tears. Ask for the gift of joy-filled laughter. You don't have to be a weepy, emotional basket case. In fact, I pray that you don't become that. And you don't want to become a silly humor machine. Don't be that guy either. But perhaps you can image your emotive creator more effectively. The title of the podcast is, Is It Wrong to Show Emotion When Helping Someone? That was the question that at, that was asked me. I've given you a couple of thousand words here in an article that you're welcome to read. I also have a bunch of embedded links here that I would love for you to read as well because they will benefit you. Here are some questions that I want to ask you as I wrap up this podcast. There are six of them here. I probably won't be able to get through all of them, but I just want to tease this out just a little bit more with these questions. Number one, how do your emotions affect people? How does your humor affect people? How does your tears, your compassion affect people? The ideal is for your friends to experience freedom when they are around you. You see, when Jesus was weeping at the tomb of Lazarus, those Pharisees who saw the love of Christ in a profound way, agapao, they were beginning to experience freedom even though they were not articulated that way. Jesus' emotion was setting them free. Now, if they ever became free, I don't know. And so the question is, how do your emotions affect people? And I'm using two emotions specifically. How does your humor, which you can use synonyms, joy, laughter, happiness, how does that affect people? Or your tears, your compassion. 
And, and the idea here is that people around you, your emotions should make them freer, not bind them up. For example, if you cry at the drop of a hat, guess what? Folks will feel guarded around you. They will not want to set you off. And that's what bad emotion will do. And I'm just using crying here. But there's other emotions, too, that will make people guarded around you. How do your emotions affect people? Or if you are a joke machine, people will withhold their desire to go deep with you because everything is a blooming joke. How does your emotions affect people? This is an important question. Emotions should set people free. Here's another question. Do you overreact to your experience? The person who has seen silliness run amok, they may, be, they may overguard against being that way. Because they've seen the shaping and they've seen the, the bad effects, the ill effects of it. And so their experience begins to shape them. And as I mentioned, my friend, who was part of a legalistic culture, he downplays fun because they see it as being worldly. And so rather than overreacting to your experience or your shaping influences, are you growing up in the fullest measure of Christ that you can? There's a few other questions here, but I also want to talk about one more. There's an element of contentment that connects to weeping, joy, happiness, laughter. The contented person is at peace, and a person of peace is free. Do you see the logic there? Contentment uh, brings peace. Peace brings freedom. Your freedom releases you to be the way that God has made you while always maturing you into Christ's likeness. Think through contentment, peace, freedom. How do these things release or hinder you from being a properly biblical, emotive person? A person who is contented deep inside. They have shalom. And because they have shalom, they're not insecure, they're not wrapped around the axle. They're not too tight, not too loose. They're just, they just have a peace, a deep-settled peace that their contentment brings, and it releases them to be free. A part of being emotive, biblically speaking, is to be free. Are you a free person? If you'd like to talk about this, please do. You want to read it? Please do that. There's more questions here in the call to action section as well. Is it wrong to show emotion when helping someone? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I do trust that you'll have a blessed day.